Welcome back to Sideline Exposure. I am your host, Mitchell Crossan, and here we are recapping the College Football Committee's newest rankings as we go ahead and look forward to week 11 of the 2021 college football season. So similar to the committee, we're going to go ahead, start low, start at the lower end, specifically teams ranked 10 to 25, and we're going to highlight some of the teams that moved in, some of the teams that moved out, etc., and then we'll break down the teams in the top 10. I do want to start by touching base on the UTSA Roadrunners ranked 23rd at undefeated 9-0. Now, I know RJ Young of Fox Sports released his rankings a couple days ago and pointed out the fact that if he was on the committee, he would rank UTSA 4th. And I know that because I was able to tweet him from my personal Twitter account and ask him that question. And he responded back blatantly just saying yes. That is a ridiculous statement. It doesn't matter. If you're undefeated, if you're in Conference USA and you have not played teams of significance in your non-conference schedule, being undefeated is not the same. To him, being undefeated is of the utmost importance. And I agree, but it comes with an asterisk. Are you in a Power 5 program or are you a Group of 5 team like a Cincinnati who has showed us last year, hey, we can hang with Georgia and this year, we scheduled Indiana, we beat Indiana. We scheduled Notre Dame, we beat Notre Dame. And they've stomped teams since then. Now, every game since then has not been a stomping for Cincinnati. But they have proved who they are by not only scheduling teams that are non-conference and in bowl games and earning that right, but beating these teams as well. UTSA has not done that. And frankly, I think it'd be ridiculous to cast a vote for them to be in the college football playoff, knowing that they are in Conference USA and do not play anyone of significance importance. Let's go ahead and talk spots 18 through 20. So 18, we have Wisconsin. 19, we have the Purdue spoiler makers who made their way in. And 20, we have Iowa. So not much to say about Iowa. Obviously, if you follow Colin Calvert, they are the fake ID of college football. And we've seen that to the max this year. This is a team that's, they've been a fraud. They've fooled everybody. They're 7-2 and two on the year. Their offense has been awful. Not much to be said about Iowa. They're always known as being a solid, solid program. They were, they were not ready to be the number, one, number two team in the country and frankly did not deserve it. I know everyone got excited and jumped the gun a little bit, but we know what Iowa really is now. Let's go ahead and talk Purdue. So if you're just looking at wins, this Purdue team might have the best resume in the country. And frankly, it's ridiculous. Like we just talked about, Iowa is the fake ID. So that win doesn't quite look as good as it did a couple weeks ago. However, they have beaten another top 10 team in Michigan State with who is kind of considered to be almost a Heisman finalist at this point, a running back, Kenneth Walker. And Purdue has a chance to add to this incredible resume so far heading to the horseshoe next weekend to play Ohio State. And if they're able to pull off another win that week, they would hands down have the best resume in college football, being a 7-3 and three team, assuming they can beat the Buckeyes. Obviously, no easy task, but we've seen Purdue do this in 2018 to Ohio State. Now, that was a little bit different, right? That was at Purdue, and... That definitely changes things. But I will tell you what, playing in the horseshoe and playing at Ohio State is not that big of an advantage as people think. Every 
like three-ish years or so, Ohio State does seem to lose a primetime non-conference game at home. We saw it with Virginia Tech in 2014. We saw it with Oklahoma in 2017. And then now we've seen it with Oregon in 2021. So this is not this incredible, crazy, you can't win type of environment. Now, don't get me wrong, 100,000 plus people, you know, it definitely gets loud. The shoe gets rocking. But if any team can go in and beat them and give Ohio State their second loss this year, it's this Purdue team. And not only do they have the talent players like IE David Bell to do damage, but they play with confidence. And not only have they beaten great teams, great teams this year, but they feel like that they deserve to have these wins and feel like they actually can beat these teams. So that's definitely a game to keep your eye on this weekend. And I think as being a big Ohio State fan, definitely worried about this game. I feel like Purdue can do some damage. Okay, so let's go ahead and break down the newest top 10. And I really think it played out the way a lot of us thought it would, especially the top five. So number one, Georgia, obviously no problem there. And they have a loss to give if they even want it. Number two, Bama. So they're able to hold their spot. Like many teams this weekend that are ranked pretty high, kind of a, I don't want to say a lackluster performance against LSU, but not a dominating performance by any means. And that, and that's a team that is not invincible, has definitely shown some chinks in the armor. But look, this, this is a team that, you know, is very talented, can beat Georgia if they get there, but frankly, could see them losing. I don't know. Iron Bowl at Auburn this year. We'll keep an eye on that and see what they can do. Number three, Oregon. So they slide up to the three spot. Another team that didn't really dominate in their game against UW in Seattle, but still a win is a win, and winning in November does count for something. And then number four, Ohio State does slide in the way I think a lot of people did predict. Their offense has been absolutely cooking until the Penn State game last week. And then obviously it did not look that good against Nebraska a couple days ago. But nonetheless, this team has all the tools at their disposal to have the best offense in the country. And I believe that statistically they still are. Now defensively, the defense was not good to start the year. Watching Ohio State play week after week, the defense is actually a really big reason why they did beat Penn State and frankly did beat Nebraska. And their defense is much, much improved. You're starting to see their DNs like Tyreek Smith now get pressure on the quarterback and get home. And I believe Ohio State is near the top of the country in terms of sacks. So what a really good turnaround and great job by Ryan Day and the new um, D coordinator Matt Barnes for having a great defensive turnaround. Okay, so what normally comes next is the first two teams out, but for this week, we're going to bump it to the first three teams out. So at five, we have Cincinnati, and this is what I thought would happen as well. Again, similar to Alabama, Oregon, and Ohio State, Cincinnati did not have a good game. You know, they played and beat, mind you, a Tulsa team that did not look good and has not looked good this year. But nonetheless, Cincinnati was able to come up with a goal line stop when they needed it and came up with a turnover to ice the game. And when you do that in November and you come up with those stops and turnovers, that's what great teams do. And I think the committee is acknowledging 
the fact that Cincinnati is still undefeated, still has some good wins, and it's continuing to hang in there. Now, I don't think they control their own destiny, but we'll get to that in a little bit. This is where things get really interesting. So the committee ranked Michigan 6 ahead of Michigan State, who's sitting at 7, even though the Spartans just beat the Wolverines a couple weekends ago. This is the committee saying the eye test and the performance on the field last week mattered more than that head-to-head matchup that just occurred. And then went ahead and tweeted this. College football chair Gary Barta on Michigan, on Michigan being ranked ahead of Michigan State. Quote, Michigan won, Michigan State lost. Michigan was the better team to be ranked ahead of MSU this week. So this goes without saying, and it's kind of obvious, but the committee really is ranking teams on a week-by-week basis. Sure, there might be an element of thinking ahead, right? Especially if you're ranking Georgia, you're like, okay, I mean, they could lose one game to, I don't know, Bama in the SEC championship and still might get in. But they are really looking, full transparency, what happened this last week? Here are the rankings from the teams that we saw right now. The head-to-head matchups do matter for something. And frankly, that is why Oregon is still ahead of Ohio State. But this is where I feel we start to see inconsistencies with the committee. Now, every year, right, athletic directors leave, new ones come in, old ones come out, etc. So the committee is different each year, and it almost feels like what they value the most differs each year. Sometimes it's the... Oh, well, they're undefeated or, well, you know, they have a one loss, but it was a really tough non-conference game. So, mm, or it could be, you know, they're not a big 10 champ, but they only lost one to one good team, like Penn State, something like that. Things do change. In this case, they are saying that although Michigan State has to head to head over Michigan, which was just played, we think Michigan's better than ranking Michigan ahead. Similar scenario, Oregon beat Ohio State, but I would argue that Ohio State has looked better than Oregon as of late. However, the committee is continuing to rank Oregon ahead of Ohio State, and I think the only reason they are doing that is because Oregon has the head-to-head win. So that's when I get a little bit confused. Now, you can argue the fact that, okay, well, like we just talked about, the committee is really looking at this on a week-by-week basis. Michigan won. Michigan State did not. Oregon won, and Ohio State won. Oregon did not look dominant, and Ohio State did not look dominant. But what I would argue is, okay, Ohio State has shown since that loss that not only do they look better, but their offense has really exploded, and their defense has come around and started performing at a very high level, especially with that defensive line starting to get some production. I am now curious to see What happens with these rankings, assuming Oregon and Ohio State win out? If Ohio State wins out, they're going to have an incredible resume. So they already have, they're playing Purdue, who's ranked 19th this week. And they play them this upcoming Saturday. Then they're going to play Michigan State. Then they're going to play Michigan. So those are three ranked teams, two in the current top 10 rankings. Then they're going to play whoever the hell comes out of the Big Ten West, that's a mess with Purdue, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. That'll figure itself out as well. But Ohio State's resume, they're going to have four really good wins, three for sure, to end the stretch of the year. 
You cannot say the same about Oregon. Like the ACC, the Pac-12 is just not that good. Another down here. So they don't really have a lot to pad their argument. However, with that being said, if they win out, I believe that they will get in. So that's not the question. The question really comes down to seeding. And if Ohio State wins out, assuming they're not battling for the final spot in the playoff, where exactly do you see those guys? Is it like a three and a four? Is it a two and a three? So we'll get to that point later on in the year. So I'm going to be releasing these rankings recap episodes after each week that the committee releases their rankings. And then what I want to do to end each episode is to go through the team as one through 10. And assuming that team wins out, it's going to be a simple yes or no. Does that team control their own destiny? So here we go. Number one, Georgia. If they win out, do they control their own destiny? Will they get it? Yes. Alabama. Yes. Oregon. Yes. Ohio State. Yes. Cincinnati. No. I do not think they control their own destiny. I think they need chaos. They need teams to start losing games. And we've seen this with the, with the committee. Yes, they bump them up to five, but they are consistently now leaving them on the outside looking in. Michigan. Yes. Michigan State. Yes. Oklahoma. Yes. Notre Dame, I'm going to go with no. And Oklahoma, yes. So that leaves us with eight out of the top 10 teams. If they win out, they control their own destiny. And I think, yes, they get in. Cincinnati, no. We just talked about them. And Notre Dame, frankly, I don't think so. I, I think they're too low. And I think there's not going to be enough chaos similar to Cincinnati and what they need for Notre Dame to get in. Because at that point, if you're at the point where enough has happened, there have been enough losses to the teams ahead, why would Cincinnati not get in over a Notre Dame team? Really, if you're Notre Dame, you need the chaos that Cincinnati needs, but you also need Cincinnati to lose a bad game, right? Then that can really push Notre Dame back into the discussion. Some of these teams and some of these scenarios kind of play themselves out. With other than the fact that Georgia and Alabama could have some weird SEC championship game thing where if Alabama loses, but it's a really tight game, they could have two losses. I think the committee could set that up to argue Alabama in, but that's a separate discussion. If Oregon wins out, they're getting it. So you're going to have the SEC champ, assuming it's a Georgia, maybe Alabama. You're going to have the Pac-12 champ, assuming it's Oregon. And then you're going to have the Big Ten champ as well, assuming it's either Ohio State, Michigan, or Michigan State. So that's three spots right now. Now, let's imagine Alabama is out of the picture. So you're going to have the Big 12 champ and a Cincinnati pretty much fighting for that final spot. If Oklahoma goes undefeated, runs the table, and is the Big 12 champ, they get in as well. Similar to Oklahoma State, if they went out the rest of their games and beat Oklahoma and become the Big 12 champ, they get in. So in that scenario, Cincinnati is left on the outside looking in. So that's really where I think that we are at. The Big Ten is going to sort itself out. Oregon controls their own destiny. They're the only Pac-12 rep even possible. 
I think Utah is now ranked. There they are at 24th. So assuming Utah can hang on, that'll be another ranked win for Oregon. But frankly, with that win over Ohio State, I don't think it really matters. Unless they look absolutely awful and they're just barely skating by, they're going to control their own destiny. They're going to get in. Well, that concludes this episode of Sideline Exposure. Keep your eyes out for the new episode to come out after Saturday's games are played in week 11. I'll go ahead and I'll post something on social media prior to the episode coming out. Speaking of social media, you can find us on Instagram at Sideline Exposure and on Twitter at Sideline Expose. And check out our website, sidelineexposure.com. I just post a couple blog-like posts every now and then after rankings are released. And so I'm working on getting that up and running. But in the meantime, thank you for listening.